welcome back to the Football Chuggies podcast. My name is Thomas Durning, and today I am joined by my co-host, Pierce McLaughlin. Hello, Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. On today's podcast, we will be reacting to last weekend's SPFL and English Premier League results, discussing all the latest transfer news from around the globe, and at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be reacting to last weekend's SPFL results. So I'll just quickly go through um, all of them. So uh, Rangers 4, Livingston 0. Ross County 2, St Johnston 0. St Mirren 2, Dundee 1. Aberdeen 1, Celtic 3. Hearts 0, Kilmarnock 0. And Murraywell 2, Hibs 1. So Pierce. Which match stands out to you the most from last weekend's SPFL matches? Uh, I'm going to go with Motherwell 2, Hibernian 1, um, just because that's now two games out of two that have now been defeated for Hibs. Um, and obviously, they've had decent results in Europe um, in terms of the second leg of the previous round and then the first leg of the, the, around the third qualifying round. Would have done successfully well, um, but their domestic form has dipped and suffered as a consequence of having to uh, juggle Europe and domestic football. And Motherwell, we were only too sure what was going to happen uh, following the departure of Kevin Van Veen, where the goals were going to come from. <clears throat> and it looks as if they've got a new man that's um, scored an absolute belt of a goal at the weekend. That it might be the new kind of man he kind of pushed him up the league and obviously sure Kettwell last season and um, when he came in as interim charge and then he then kind of took the job on from there and they just they went at the top uh, just missed out in top six and I thought they played some fantastic football at times and um, hopefully that kind of kick starts their season but uh, worrying times for Hibernian because um, the fact is you, you need to get your first win on the board and just kick on from there and then um, they're really struggling at the moment. Yep, that was um that's a really good choice uh, of match. Uh, I'm going to go with Aberdeen one Celtic three. Uh, I watched that game at the weekend and I thought for an advert for Scottish football, I thought it was really really good. You know, um, really competitive, entertaining game. You know, quite end to end at times. You know, I like I really like the way Aberdeen set up. You know, they went kind of man-to-man with Celtic and were really aggressive and, you know, pushed, pushed up the park really well and, uh, you know, really gave Celtic a really good test. Um, you know, some would say Aberdeen were quite unlucky not to get in throughout the game. And, you know, I'd agree. I thought Aberdeen did really, really well. You know, it easily could have ended up a draw, but at the end of the day, Celtic were just really, really clinical. clinical. Um, uh, you know, just in terms of like both starts uh, for Celtic and Aberdeen, you know, starting off with Celtic, you know, it's quite a strange kind of feeling with Celtic. Maybe, um, you know, they've got two wins on the board, two wins out of two, but I think a lot of Celtic fans at the moment just think there's something maybe still missing in terms of the team and in their team. Uh, you know, obviously they've lost Carl Stahlfeld, um, just during the week there to Celtic Vigo. So, um, you know, that's quite a big blow to Celtic because he was part of that really strong partnership with Cameron Carter Vickers. Um so with Celtic, you know, it's 
it's two wins out of two, but you know, the last couple of years we've seen Celtic really, you know, at a really high level. I don't think Celtic are at that high level yet. You know, it it does seem to be, you know, like they're still trying to get into gear and kind of really start kicking on this season. Um, so that, that that's where kind of Celtic are at the moment. And just in terms of Aberdeen, um, you know, as I just said, they really played a really good match on Sunday against Celtic. You know, they've not won yet. You know, they've, they've not got a win on the board yet. But, uh, you know, from what I've seen on Sunday from Aberdeen, you know, I think they could be in for a really good season. You know, if they if they go into every game performing like that, you know, uh, they, they do look like they've got a really good team. Um, you know, two strikers, Miofsky and Duke, you know, really impressive. Um, Barry Robson said that they've still to add more to, before the transfer window shuts. So, although Aberdeen haven't won a match yet, I wouldn't really, I, I don't think Aberdeen fans should worry. You know, they've really, um, you know, they really look like they could be in for a strong season just based on the performance that they gave on Sunday. So, my game that stands out for me is Aberdeen 1, Celtic 3. So, just just lastly, Pierce, is there a team that has impressed you so far? I mean, it's still very early on in the season, but is there a team that's stood out to you, maybe? Uh, St Mirren. Uh, I think St Mirren went away last weekend and um, they were 2-0 two, two up within half an hour and then Hibernian battled back to get two each and then in the dying seconds, first last kick of the game, when teams had probably threw their two, two goal lead away, they'd have crumbled and probably conceded a third. But they went up the other end, just persevered and got the winner. And then the weekend as well, they've, they've won again um, against newly promoted Dundee, um, who we're all excited to see how how, how they'll fare this season. Because um, I think you'd, names of like Dundee and Dundee should be in the Premiership. Um, but it's not a given. And I think... Stephen Robinson's lost a lot of key players. We touched on you touched on it last week. They lost their goalkeeper Trevor Carson, and they've lost Declan Gallagher. So they're two big components of their team last season. But they got good value for them, and for whatever reason, um, they wanted to jump ship. And again, Sabin just went from strength to strength, and they lost Curtis Main last season as well, who was a big focal point from last season. Uh, so I've been very impressed with Sabin, and I think the. They could even be a surprise package you finish in the, in the top four this season. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to go with St Mirren as well. You know, obviously two wins out of two. Uh, you know, they really look like... The, the thing with St Mirren, when I look at them, is that they look like they're improving year on year. You know, since Stephen Robson's come in, you know, it just seems to me that they keep on improving. You know, they had a really good season last season, especially the home record that was really, really strong. Um, you know, you were just touching on the players that have left, players that have come in, you know. Uh, the winger that they signed in the summer, McMenamin, looks a really good player. Um, you know, um, I mean, it's still early days, obviously, in the season. But St Mirren, to me, just look, they, they just look like a really strong outfit. Um, you know, they've also got the central central midfielder, Mark O'Hara, who's, you know, is a really good player who had a really good season last season as well. Um, so, you know, I think at the moment, uh, St. Brown have really impressed me in terms of the start they've made. Um, and I think uh, they will have, I think they'll have a strong season, you know. Um, and I can see, obviously, Stephen Robson as well, who's a really good manager. And yeah, you know, I think St. Brown are the ones to watch out for this season. Um, so we'll just 
lastly touching on uh, the SPFL, so uh, we've got Scottish teams playing in the second legs of the European ties um, this upcoming week. So they include Servette versus Rangers. Um, so last season, um, last week, sorry, Rangers won that tie two one. Um, Hearts versus Rosenberg. So Hearts at the moment are currently two one down to Rosenberg. And Luzerne versus Hibs. Um, and at the moment, Hibs are 3-1 up in that tie. So, Pierce, how do you think these teams will perform in this week, in this week's European ties? Uh, firstly, we'll start with the Rangers Servet. I think Rangers, they got off to a, an electric start. Um, and, and then they can, the Maracas has somehow considered a penalty. Um which is not, not like Rangers because they usually go without conceding penalties. Um, but no, I, th- I thought both sides were kind of evenly matched. I thought Severt kind of grew into the game. Um, and obviously a 2-1 lead to go away from home, that is a very tough ass to go through. Um, but obviously with Champions League money on the line, I think Rangers will just have to weather a storm. I, don't, I think they'll just have to put in a solid defensive performance. And obviously the back of the 4-0 win at the weekend, I think they'd be very confident. And like you say, like, it, the Rangers team should be getting stronger week in, week out, because the amount of new players they've brought in this summer. But um Sovet no mugs and uh, it's tough to it's tough to call, I think. Sovet could go through and I think Rangers could go through. But I think this game it depends on how well the Rangers will defend. And there's obviously question marks of the two fullbacks defensively. And I think they'll need to put uh a really good defensive performance in James Tavernier and uh, Borna Barisic. And I think two of them could be suspect. Um, for me, it's too tough to call. I think you you want your Scottish team to go through. Um, but for this one, this one could, is, for me, it's 50-50. Um, in terms of Hearts and Rosenberg, Hearts got a terrific result. Only losing 2-1. Although there's no way goals, but in Tyne Castle, we're only a one goal behind. You, you expect the crowd to be absolutely bouncing, get behind the team, be that 12th man that they know they can be. And um, a lot of clubs in Scotland struggle at Tynecastle because of the hostile atmosphere. And you just hope that that, that atmosphere will, will see them through. And um, with someone like Lawrence Shankland, um, you expect him to score goals and he could be the difference maker. And I, I do think um, Hearts will go through that. I think Hearts will probably win... 3-1. I, I, I just see Hearts, they've had a good start to the season as well, um, four points from the two games, and I just think that um, that, that, that's, that goal away from home by Shankland is um, invaluable, and I do think it will be enough to see him through. Um, touching on Hibs away from at Luzerne, I watched, it, I watched the game last week, um, Hibs, brilliant on the counter-attack, um, caused Luzerne so many problems, but Luzerne themselves hit the woodwork a good few times, so that game could have been a lot closer. Could have been 3 2, 3 3. Could have been 4 3 Hibs, you never know. Um, but like you say, we've touched on Hibs and domestic. They've been the total, total polar opposite. I think they've been absolutely abysmal in the league this season. Um, but in Europe, they seem to find another gear. And I do think Hibs will probably lose 1 0, but I think it'll be enough to see them through. Um, and hopefully um, progress at the next round. So hopefully at least two or three teams can go through the next round for all Scottish sides. 
Yeah, well, I'm just kind of coming off the bat and say that I think all Scottish teams will progress um, into the next round of their European competitions. So just briefly, on Savet Rangers, you know, 2-1 to Rangers at the moment, really, really tough. Uh, kind of match that'll be for Rangers going into uh, Switzerland as well. Um, but I just think Rangers, with their European experience, um, you know, uh, I just think they'll have a bit too much for Servet. Uh, I think if Rangers get the first goal in that game, you know, I think it'll be, they'll probably be end up um, being probably a bit comfortable in the match. Um, but Servet, they're a really good side um, and they're known uh, for not really giving in and giving up. Um, you know, so I just think Rangers will just about edge through in that tie. Um, and then Hearts versus Rosenberg. Um, you know, Rosenberg were 2 0 up in that match, um, and Hearts managed to uh, nick a goal just um, in the last 10 minutes of the match, um, which is you know, which will, could turn it to be a really, really important goal. And um, so, with Hearts going back to Tincastle, um, you know. All Scottish football fans know how tough a how tough a game it is for football players to go to Tincastle away with that very tight pitch, um, and I do I, I do see Hearts. I think Hearts are more than capable of uh, turning that tie around, and I do see um, Hearts uh, turning it around and um, getting through to the next round. And uh, Lausanne versus Hibs, you know what a night it was for Hibs last week, and um, you know that third goal is so important, I think, for them. Uh, you know, gives them that two-goal advantage. And, you know, again, the Hibs are going to Switzerland uh, to play Lizard away in the second leg of this tie. And I just think Hibs will have an, will just about get through it. Um, you know, they've had a, you, know, you have touched on the fact they've had a poor start to the, the league season. But I just think um, with the fact that Hibs have more days to the cover, so they played on Sunday and they're they're going to play on the on the Thursday for this match. And I think just the fact that they've got more days to the cover, I think that will do them in good stead. And uh, yeah, I think Hibs will will manage to get through that. And if they do, they'll end up playing English Premier League side Aston Villa, which would be a an absolutely cracking match to watch. So yeah, I think all Scottish teams and who are playing in Europe this season will progress to the next round. Um, so we will now move on to reacting to last weekend's English Premier League matches. So the English Premier League kicked off uh, their season last weekend and the first set of results finished. Burnley 0, Manchester City 3, Arsenal 2, Nottingham Forest 1, Bournemouth 1, West Ham 1, Everton 0, Fulham 1, Brighton 4, Luton Town 1, Sheffield United, no, Crystal Palace won. Newcastle 5, Aston Villa 1. Brentford 2, Tottenham 2. Chelsea 1, Liverpool 1. And finally, Man United 1, Wolves 0. So Pierce, which match in the first weekend of the Premier League stood out to you? Uh, it's got to be the Newcastle Aston Villa. Um, I knew it would be high scoring, but I didn't think it was one-sided as it was. Um, but like you say, St James's Park just has an electric atmosphere, and Eddie Howe's side just goes from strength to strength. And Una Emery's side is built a formidable force that will that will compete in Europe this season, and in the Premier League top half. 
But um, Newcastle absolutely blew them away. I thought I thought the midfield of Joe Linton, uh, Gumares, and Sandro Tonali was just a breath of fresh air. They're just they're just so energetic. The team, high pressing, high energy, and high quality. They they make they make the right decisions, and it was just wave after wave of attack for both sides. But um, you Aston Villa just could not handle them. Um, and obviously, debut goes well for Harvey Barnes and Sandro Tonali, which is good, good, good for their confidence. And you can see that this season, Newcastle, you should not be writing them off for the top four. Um, I think they can go up there and compete again. And I think the Champions League, they will they will cause teams severe, severe problems at St James's Park. Maybe not away from home, but in that atmosphere, some sides will crumble. Um, depends on who they get in the group stage, but for the Premier League, I think that is that is a statement. That is a statement victory in the opening weekend, because you've seen them last season. They blew away Tottenham, um, towards the back end of last season. But to get your first win on the board in that manner against that that side, and it was two top managers against each other, and um, Eddie Howe just had Unai Emery's number, and that for me that is the standout fixture of the opening weekend in the Barclays Premier League. Yep, I totally agree. That's my match as well. Uh, you know, um, I was actually before this match. Uh, I watched this match just before. Um, but before the match, I was actually quite really looking forward to it. I thought it'd be a really close, tight match. Uh, you know, both teams have had a really good summer in terms of signings, and both teams finished the season really strongly last season. Um, but Newcastle just they just totally blew Aston Villa away. Um, you know, uh. You know that 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 home crowd as you, you were touching on it there. That home crowd for Newcastle is just going to be so, so big for them this season. And um, you know that's going to be such a tough place to go to. And um, you know Champions League nights there, I think are going to be amazing. And um, you know I could see them getting really some really famous results, uh, in the Champions League this season. I've got to touch on Sandro Tonali, who I thought was absolutely amazing at the weekend. He obviously scored his debut scored the first goal in the match. But he just looked so calm and like he looked like he'd played for Newcastle for years. You know, he was just so influential in the game. You know, uh, you know, I think Newcastle fans have really took to him. Um so yeah, what a start for Newcastle. Um and for Aston Villa, you know, obviously it's not it's not I, I don't think they should panic, but I felt that they really didn't help themselves at the weekend, you know, they played such a high line. And, you know, they didn't really help themselves with that. I just felt Newcastle found it very easy to get in behind and, you know, you know, score at least five, they scored five goals and it could even be more, to be honest. And, you know, they lost Tyrone Mings during the match as well, Aston Villa, which looks like a really bad injury. Um, and it looks like he could be out for a very long time, which is, you know, a really big blow to them. Um, but, you know, it's not, it's, it's very rare to see Unai Emery um, getting beat by quite a big swelling like that, um, but Aston Villa, I don't think should panic. Um, you know, obviously it's just the first game of the season. You know, I'm sure they'll bounce back, and they have a positive to take out this match in terms of Musa Diaby, who who also scored, but I thought he was really really good in the match. Um, you know, he looks like he's going to be a really good player for Aston Villa this season. Um, and yeah, that that's my standout match. But I just want to briefly touch on the Man United Wolves match, which was played last night. And, um, you know, Wolves, who have had a really, really tough summer, 
They've lost their manager. They've lost their play. Lost a lot of few, uh, lost important players. But I thought Wolves were absolutely amazing last night. You know, Gary O'Neill's first match in charge. He's only been there a few days. Um, but I thought he thought Wolves were absolutely brilliant last night. And in my opinion, should have taken something. They should have had at least a point. Um, uh, coming out of that coming out of that match. Um, and they should have had a penalty in the end, which the referees did admit that it should have been a penalty and they got it wrong. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to briefly touch on uh, the Man United Wolves match. Um, and, yeah, obviously, that's the first weekend of the Premier League. And, you know, we'll discuss it more. Um, the next match is coming up next week. Um, so, coming up next, we'll be discussing all the latest transfer news from around the globe. So um, it has been a very busy week of transfer news and we will start by discussing Harry Kane's move to Bayern Munich. So on Saturday, 12th of August, Bayern Munich announced that they had signed Harry Kane on a four-year contract. So the cost um, the cost of this move um, was £86.4 million pounds plus add-ons and Kane leaves Tottenham as their all-time top scorer with 280 goals and 435 appearances. So, Pierce, what is your reaction to Harry Kane leaving Tottenham to join Bayern Munich? Yeah, we've touched it briefly on this podcast the last, probably, the same month or so. Um, you feel this one's been the worst for a while. Um, and finally, the two sides have come to an agreement in terms of transfer fee that uh, Daniel Levy uh, sees suffice for... Uh, the England captain who only had a year left of his deal and he, he had no intention of signing that new deal but um, obviously his wife is um, due to have a baby this, this week as well and obviously what he, like you say you said it last week in the podcast that he's never usually one to move after the Premier League season has started so what he kind of wanted to get, it, it just kind of happened um, relatively quickly in terms of over the weekend um, and he was even able to play a part in the, the defeat in the Super Cup against the uh, RB Leipzig. Um, but no, I'm delighted for him. I think it's a phenomenal signing. Um, you're signing probably arguably one of the best strikers in the world of football at the, uh, the current moment. Between him and Erling Haaland, I think the two of them are the, the two best strikers. But I do think Haaland is just a machine. But I do think Harry Kane has got more to his game in terms of bringing people to play. Um, and you've seen he scored 30 Premier League goals last season. In a poor Tottenham side, um, and I, I just, I just think he leaves Tottenham, um, a massive legacy, uh, and I do think like the Premier League record, that's not really an incentive thing. He, you've always seen that he wants to play the highest level. Tottenham are under a rebuilding process, and that money will go towards rebuilding their back line and having Ange Postecoglou have a potential of a successful season. But I do think Harry Kane is moving on and going up to an elite level club, which Bayern Munich are, and they compete Bundesliga every season, German Cups, and obviously the last stage of the Champions League. So I think that's incentive. I think he could potentially win two trophies a season, as well as the Golden Boot in the Bundesliga. Um, and I do think once he gets that better in process with his teammates, I do think he will score goals for fun, unlike. Sadie Mane failed to do last season. That's what he thought would have happened because world class player. But I do think this one is he is the perfect Robert Lewandowski replacement. And I do think they are serious contenders for the Champions League this season. 
but no, thoroughly delighted and um, finally happened. Yeah, that's uh, my reaction to the, the news. Um, yep, you know, me and you have discussed this um, on this podcast for quite a few weeks now. Um, you know, we didn't know whether it was happening, whether it was not. And, you you know, you just said it. It was quite, you know, it kind of just came out. It went really quiet. And then all of a sudden last week, it just came out of the blue. And, you know, here we are now, Harry Kane signed for Bayern Munich. Um, I just think in terms of Harry Kane and Bayern Munich, I just think for Harry Kane, it's, it's a really, really good move for him. Um, you know, I think it was time for him to leave Tottenham. Uh, you know, you know the, the, the thing with Harry Kane is that you were touching on it there, like he is one of the best strikers in world football. Harry Kane has to be playing at the highest level possible. You know, he has to play for me, he has to be playing in the Champions League every season. And Bayern Munich offer that, you know, they're a massive club. And um, they're always at least a contender for winning the Champions League every season. You know, they Okay, they they do win the Bundesliga nearly every season, um. But I just think for Harry Kane, it, you know, it's 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 a brilliant move for him. You know, he's going to be playing with world class players as well. You know, he's going to be the the main man in terms of being the striker, the new number nine, replacing Robert Lewandowski. Um, and yeah, I just think it's it's a really good move for him, and I think it was time for him to leave Tottenham as well. Um, and then in terms of Tottenham, you know, they obviously get. I mean, they also get money for him because they easily could have um, lost Harry Kane uh, for free next season if Harry Kane decided to stay this season. So I think for Harry Kane, it's quite, it's quite good of him to kind of say, like, go now and get give Tottenham uh, the money. And, you know, it, it shows uh, Kane's love for Tottenham as well, the fact that he's willing to do that for them. And I just think for Tottenham, I just, I, in my opinion, I just think they're relieved. You know, they've also been really, really disappointed and really... You know, they'll be gutted that Kane's left because he's uh, quite arguably the best of a player. Um, you know, and but I, I think it's good for Tottenham that that's kind of out of the way now. You know, it's been such a distraction for them. Um, you know, they've got money for Harry Kane and Postacoglu could, uh, you know, he, he could use that money to even strengthen more of the team. Um, you know, in the next couple of weeks, obviously the transfer window closes in the next couple of weeks. Um, so all in all, I just think for both parties, it's a brilliant move. Um, you know, really excited to see Harry Kane in a Bayern Munich shot. We did see a bit of him at the weekend. You know, it didn't go well for him. He didn't win the the trophy. Um, but you know, it's I think it's it, it's going to be exciting to see how Harry Kane fits into that Bayern Munich side. Um, and yeah, really good move and uh, really a really big piece of transfer news. So. Um, another transfer news, um, it was confirmed on Monday the 14th of August that Chelsea had signed Brighton midfielder Moises Caicedo for a £100 million fee that could rise to a British club record of £115 million. So Caicedo's move to Chelsea brings an end to a long transfer saga as it was only on Friday um, the 11th of August that Liverpool had agreed a deal with Brighton to sign Caicedo for £111 million. However, in the end, Caicedo turned down Liverpool um, and he decided to sign for Chelsea. So, Pierce, what is your reaction to, to Caicedo signing for Chelsea? Brighton again, they just find these gems and get some mad profit. Like, like, in recent years, it's been Alexis McAllister, Mark Cucurella, 
Um, and now, Moises Caicedo, for £150 million, that is ridiculous for a 21-year-old, but it just shows you how highly he is rated. And Brighton do not break their model. Well, they don't sell the player unless it's for the right fee. And again, who, who will replace with Brighton? They've got conveyor brand of talent and they just seem to produce year on year the perfect replacement and um, they'll then sell them on. And I do think Chelsea probably didn't need him, but he really wanted Chelsea. Um, and obviously, he does strengthen that midfield. You look at that midfield too now of um, potentially Angel Fernandez and Moises Caicedo. And that that just that is just so solid, but it's a midfield that's worth a hundred two hundred and twenty million, which is ridiculous money for a club to spend on two midfielders. Um but no, he's talented midfielder that just he just breaks up the play, he's good going forward, he's got a bit of everything. And uh, I do think it's what Chelsea needed. Um, although they do need a striker, but it makes them midfield rock solid and um, you can see them potentially challenging for the top four this season with that sign. Yeah. Um, you know, another kind of big piece of transfer news that's come out um, this past week. Um, I think for Chelsea, it's a, it's a brilliant signing. You know, like I said, he was one of the best players in the Premier League last season. Um, you know, um, it's for Caicedo, it's been a really kind of long kind of few months, you know, because it was only in January that he wanted to go to Arsenal. Um, you know, a party, I remember he put out a, a statement saying that, you know, Arsenal's a, a club that he would really like join and now he's ended up Chelsea and he ended up at Liverpool as well. So it's been such a, a long kind of transfer saga, as I just said. Um, but for Chelsea, it's a, it's a really good signing. You know, I, I could see him slot into that midfield really well. Um, you know, um, I think in terms of the fee, I'm not sure if £150 million is, you know, I don't know if anyone's really worth that. You know, it's a lot of money. And, you know, he's only 21 and he's now going to have that price tag on his shoulders and he's going to have to deal with that. Um, but, um, you know, that Chelsea team looks really, really exciting. You know, it looks a really young team, but lots of talented players and you know, I think Pochettino is going to be so looking forward to working with all these players and trying to get them all to gel together and, and you know, keep progressing uh, the, the team. Um, and in terms of Brighton, you were just touching on it, you know, the, the model that they have is just unbelievable. I mean, uh, I mean, what, what, what a situation to be in in terms of Chelsea bidding for Caicedo and also Liverpool bidding for Caicedo, you know, two teams bidding over a hundred million pounds for a player, you know that's a dream scenario, um, for a club, uh, you know they've just they've just got it spot on, in terms of uh the recruitment and how they deal with transfers, um, you know I I don't know how much Brighton paid for Caicedo, um, I don't think it would have been a lot, but to sell them for a hundred fifty million, um, for a club like Brighton, it's it's absolutely amazing for them, and you know. They really are a, a great model to follow, and you know they've they've really got it right. And um, yeah, I mean they've got other players as well in that team, like Matoma, who could end up moving on for lots of money. Evan Ferguson as well, the striker, who's really young and looks a really promising player. So I mean, Brian are just in such a a great position at the moment. You know, lots of money 
in the bank as well. And yeah, um, a long transfer saga that's now come to the end um, with Moises Caicedo uh, signing for Chelsea. Um, so we also have other transfer news to bring you and it involves Brazil captain Neymar. So PSG um, have agreed a deal to sell Neymar to, to Saudi Arabian club Al-Halal for around about 77.6 million plus add-ons. So it's not confirmed yet, but um, it has been reported that Neymar has completed all the paperwork and medical checks and will be unveiled as an Al-Halal player very soon. So Pierce, what is your reaction to Neymar's impeding move to Al-Halal? Uh, I thought if he was going to leave PSG, it would to go back to Barcelona. But um, just looking at some of the the details of the the contract, you can see why he's going to go to Al Halal. He's going to be earning potentially three hundred and seventy nine thousand pounds every single day, which is ridiculous money. So that works out yearly one hundred thirty eight million pounds, weekly two point six five million pounds. Hourly, £15.7,000, and then wage per second, £4.39. Um, wage per minute, £263.28. Daily, £378,000. And monthly, £11.5 a month, which is ridiculous money. And this is the reason why uh, the Saudi League will just keep getting better and better, because... They're willing to just throw money at players that would potentially never even consider going to the Saudi Pro League. But like you say, it's all started from Ronaldo. Kind of, um, he was the first big name to go there, and all the big stars are now falling. And you can see there's at least five or six teams that are now building potentially super teams. And Neymar is one of the best players in the world in terms of like, technically he's dribbling his skills, goals, assists and obviously it's I think it's a, a game changer to be honest because I think like you had Ronaldo you've got Benzema but I think and you've got Sadio Mane Neymar's just another one that just goes up there like, like you say Brazil captain and you still expect him to still be the Brazil captain even though he's still going to Saudi because look at Ronaldo he's still the Portuguese captain at 38 years of age. Um, but no, I think it's an absolute um, ridiculous amount of money they're thrown at him, but another massive player leaving Europe to go to the Saudi Pro League in Neymar. Yep. Um, so just touching on Neymar and PSG, first of all, um, you know, I think it was time for Neymar to leave PSG. You know, at the time when Neymar went to PSG, it was such a massive surprising move we never no I don't think anyone really expected it um, but I just don't think Neymar and PSG's and PSG and Neymar I don't think it's really worked out um, you know it's been quite a a tough few years for Neymar at PSG uh, you know he's had to deal with injuries there he's had to the PSG he's had to deal with you know clash of personalities in terms of Mbappe in terms of Messi um, so I think for Neymar and PSG I think it's a good time um, to kind of part ways and uh, I think Neymar um, I think it'd be good for him to get to kind of leave PSG and I think PSG are at that point now where they're just kind of moving on to a, a new kind of um, a direction you know obviously Messi's left as well um, 
So, but in terms of Al Halal and Neymar, you know, as you've just said, it's it's a ridiculous amount of money that Neymar's going to be getting in Saudi Arabia. But again, it's um for Saudi Arabian football, it's it's an absolutely massive, massive move. Um, you know, Neymar's one of the most famous, never mind footballers, he's one of the most famous people in the world. Um, you know, and for him to come to Saudi Arabian football, it's it's such a brilliant Brilliant market move, but also a brilliant a move in terms of the type of player they're going to get. Because Neymar, as you said, he is one of the best players in the world. Um, you know, so um, I mean, you were saying it as well. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo, Neymar, Sadio Mane, Benzema, Kante. You know, I could go on, but the amount of football stars, big football stars that are now in Saudi Arabia, you know, it's 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 incredible to see. You know, I never, I never thought that would happen. I always thought European football, a uh, European kind of football level, is was the pinnacle for all players. And I thought all these players would stay in Europe for the rest of their career, and for them all to really end up in Saudi Arabia is, you know, it's quite incredible. Um, but I think Neymar will do well in Saudi Arabia. You know, I think that kind of the fact that, uh, you know, he can kind of just start again in a way, maybe. You know, it's been quite a tough time for him, PSG. Um, you know, and I think, you know, uh, I think it I think it'll turn out to be a really good move for him. Um so yeah, that's the end of all the transfer news. Um, and I'm sure uh, when we come back here next week there's gonna be more um transfer news to bring you. You know, we're coming into the last uh, weeks now with the transfer window, so it's definitely gonna heat up quite fast. Um so for the final part of the show. Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. So we're going to start off the Asian football news with um, some J-League 1 action. So the weekend, Saturday 12th of August, um, with Haikido, Constable, Sapporo 1, Sagantusu 1, Alvarez now got a 2, Shona and Bermier 2, Avispa Fukuoka 2, Yokohama FC 0, um, Kawasaki Frontali 0, Vassel Kobe 1, FC Tokyo 2, Kyoto Sanga 0, Kawashiya Racer 1, Serres Osaka 1, Yukami F. Marnos 2, Gamble Osaka 1. And then on Sunday, the 13th of August, we had San Fredji Roshma 2, Urawa Red Diamonds 1, Nagoya Grampus 1, Kawashima Antlers 0. So that's leaving the table looking like this. So at the top of three, we've got Vassel Kobe, joint top with Yokohama and Marinos, both on 47 points. With Nagoya Grampus in third position, on 45 points. So the top three are almost separated by two points. And uh, down at the bottom of the table, it's just as tight as it is at the top. We've got um in 16th position, we've got Kawashia Racer on 18 points, Yokami Maros in 17th position on 18 points, and in 18th position at the bottom of the table, we've got Shonen Bermia on 17 points. So the bottom three sides are separated by one point. And um, I could see either any that could change towards the end of the season. Either side could rotate, and um, it's exciting end of the season for both the top and the top, bottom half of the table. So moving on to the K League One, um, on Saturday, twelfth of August, we had Jumbo Hyundai Motors one, Suwon Samsung Blue Wings one, Gangwon FC two, Ulsan Hyundai nil, Jeju United three, Suwon FC nil. Um, Sunday the 13th of August with Dejan High Citizen 4, FC Seoul 3, 
Incheon United 3, Daegu FC 1, Kwang Steelers 1, Guangzhou FC 1. So it's leaving the table looking like this. At the top of the table, we've got Ulsan Hyundai on 57 points. Second position, we've got Pohang Steelers on 46th and John Book Hyundai Motors on 41. So as you see, there's starting to become a gap at the top of the table. Um, although Ulsan Hyundai failed to win the weekend, they've still got an unassailable lead at this point. Um, it's now been cut from 14 to 11 points. And uh, Pohang Steelers are starting to show some distance between them and John Book. Uh, down at the bottom of the table... We've got uh, Suwon Sumsung Blowings, Rock Bottom in 12 position on 19 points. Um, just above them, we've got Gangwon FC on 20 points. And then in 10th position, we've got Suwon FC on 23 points. So in terms of some Asian football news, um, uh, Son Hyun Min, the South Korean captain, has now become the captain of Tottenham Hotspur, following the departure of England captain Harry Kane to Bayern Munich. Sports boss Ange Postecoglou uh, announced the captaincy in front of the whole squad in what was a touching video posted on the club's social media channels. Son is now the main man for club and country, and it is a challenge he is more than capable of handling. South Korea have announced a friendly match against Saudi Arabia, which will take place on the 12th of September. A stadium has yet to be announced. So this is a, uh, a warm-up match for the upcoming Asian, Asian, uh, Asian Games. Uh, due at the turn of the year. Um, uh, Kawasaki Frontale have confirmed the marquee signing of veteran forward Bafatimbe Gomis. Gomis, 38, is expected to arrive in Japan next week once all his paper has been finalised. He joins in a two-year deal which runs until January 31st, 2025. Bafatimbe Gomis is a household name in Asia and Europe, having starred for Lyon, St Etienne, Swansea, Marseille, Galatasaray and Al-Halal. Most recently, he got 10 goals in 28 matches last season for Galatasaray, so he will no doubt add much-needed firepower to Kawasaki Frontale's lackluster attack. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Chuggy podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chugu YouTube channel and also the Football Chugu website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.